Today, we have a very bright guest with us. She's a multilingual global brand strategist, media contributor, and a published author with a portfolio that includes world-renowned brands and startups in New York City, Berlin, and Silicon Valley. Her goal is to connect brands with consumers in an authentic, value-oriented way via storytelling and consumer-centric strategies crafted around founders or CEOs. The objective is to help bridge the connection and develop it into a long-term, loyal, revenue-generating partnerships. So without further ado, Vivi, welcome to Essential Entrepreneurship with Enrique. Thank you so much, Enrique. It's such a pleasure to connect with you, and I'm glad Clubhouse brought us together. Yeah, shout out to Clubhouse. What a great app. Indeed, yes. I enjoy it very much. So I'm curious about your name. I mean, break it down for me. What does VV stand for? So Virgilia Vrzoga is actually my full name. Virgilia Sanda Vrzoga. It's a pretty long Romanian name. So when I was working for Versace, um, it just happens that I became an expert in VVS One Diamonds. And because I was so good and my cells were completely going crazy, one day my boss said, well, since your initials are VSV, why aren't you VVS One? And I became VVS One and then I started to record music in studios under VVS One. And long story short, one day I came across um, Damon John on Shark Tank and I fell in love with his approach to branding. I was fascinated. And I wrote him an email on Facebook and I ended up working with him in his office for about seven months. And when I first introduced myself and I said, I'm VVS One, he said, no, that's too long. And then he stopped for like 30 seconds and he said, VV. And that's what he is so amazing at what he does. He was branding me right there. And ever since I've been VV and it's been quite a long time. Wow. So what, I mean, what was it like working for, for, for him for seven months? I had no idea you did that. Um, I feel that he's just such a down to earth a personality and he's so simplistic in the way he explained his genius, his creative genius. And he makes things so simple, but he created product integration way before the term existed. And back in the day, we did not talk as much about brand identity and product placement. And he did it organically. It was just his, I don't know, marketing genius that, that, that made him take that direction. And he created FUBU based on that concept. And now he's on Shark Tank. So a very, uh, very down-to-earth, humble individual with a brilliant mind. I want to know what his company culture is like. I would say he has high expectations from people. And I heard him talking yesterday on Clubhouse how he's putting people, he's testing people. He say, first, I'm dating, meaning that I'm in a dating process before I marry um, an employee, meaning that he tests them, he sees how, it's, how they perform, and then if he decides they're really great, he ends up hiring them. So... Um, it's complex in this sense. I love that. I love how, you know, big people like Damon John, like you said, they're simplistic, but they're super efficient with what they do. And they're super effective with what they have, you know, because somebody will, somebody can make it more complicated than it is, right? And we've all been there. We've all done that. And then you see somebody who, like him, just comes in real swift and simplifies it and then everyone's mind blown you know it could be the simplest thing too it's just it just goes to show 
There's always somebody. Uh, but I noticed, yes, and I noticed, I'm sorry, Enrique, I didn't mean to catch up. I noticed that a lot of the very successful people I worked with, they made things so simple. The way they speak about their business, they make it, they make you feel like you could do it too. And the moment you attempt to do it, you realize what it entails to create that level of success. And it, it takes, a, a, you know, just to, the KISS strategy, keep it simple, comes only after a very long time when you are complex and you are able to get, actually assimilate your complexity and turn it into simplicity. But it takes a great mind and vision to be able to do that. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great uh, acronym, too. I think it's called an acronym, right? You said KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, we grew up with that kind of acronym in school, you know? I think it was actually my first time hearing it was in math. Stupid little side note, but my point is I, we, we're engraved with that little acronym so much. We just know it when we hear it, but we forget about it. And when you forget about things, you don't implement them enough. I, I noticed the same thing when I prepare brands with the pitch. They embellished it so much, and I always say it's just 60 seconds. Picture that, picture yourself in an elevator. That's why it's called the pitch, the elevator pitch. With someone you want to pitch your idea to, and you only have a few seconds. And that's the hardest part, to be able to bring all your expertise and simplify it in a way that it translates into two sentences. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wanted to ask you, so... I, I thought of this question today when I was writing questions for us. Um, there's a lot of gray area, right, for most people when they try to define the difference between branding and marketing. And obviously, I'm in the marketing and you're branding, right? There's a huge gray area. And they do have their common interests, right? And But they're both different in, in their own ways. How would you define the difference between branding and marketing for the people who may not know the difference between the two? So the branding is my red dress and the lipstick is uh, the marketing aspect of it, the, the magical touch. So I would say you cannot go to market and to marketing before you package your brand in a way that it's so well crafted that now the marketing comes to put that and allow the brand to become a major vehicle for success. So I would say first you are worried about how your brand can articulate itself at its best and once you package let's put it this way very simple the branding is the package and the marketing is the ups or a fedex that sends the package to the consumer this is just made simple okay <laughs> you know i heard a great story of somebody uh defining the difference between the two and ever since i heard i always use it and i'll share it with you today so let's say you walk into a networking conference, right? Marketing is how you make yourself stand out from others when you go talk and approach people. But branding is the impact you have on people after you leave the conference. What do you think about that? Well, I believe that you keep adding to your brand as you grow, as your entire life, whether it's a personal brand or your company. But marketing strategies, they basically change around the cultural uh, spectrum and the global spectrum that we are witnessing. Branding is something you have to stay consistent with. I'll give an example. One of the reasons Dolce & Gabbana, Versace are tremendous brands, 
with, I mean, they, they, are, they sustain themselves independent of how many years because they stay true to their DNA, to their brand. You are not going to see Versace giving up the Medusa, right, which is the symbol of the brand. You are not going to see them giving up these amazing pieces. That's their vision. That's what defines their brand. The marketing strategies, they are influenced by different cultural trends on a global scale and in the industry per se. But the brand, if you change too much the brand, it's a problem. I remember that Versace at some point, uh, Mr. Versace passed away and the new CEO came on board and he said, let's just... Um, they wanted Versace as they knew Versace to be. So it's, as with Dolce & Gabbana, you know that Dolce & Gabbana is about the leopard print and the Swarovski crystals and the sequins. Now, if you try to take that, the most, the core elements of what define Dolce and starting tomorrow, you say, now we want to be more like a white brand. It doesn't work. So you have to stay consistent with branding and com continuously reinvent the marketing approach. So it's a, it has to be a perfect marriage. I love that. I love that. It has to be a perfect marriage. You're absolutely right. You can't have one or the other and you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. You would be, you just wouldn't be delivering enough into the marketplace, into your customers. Like you got to have both. You really do. And I know you mentioned some big names like Versace. Tell us more about the, the big companies that you've done work with. Um, it's pretty interesting because when I moved from Europe, uh, in Europe, I was um, actually I had my own TV show in German language at the time. And when I moved here, I started to work for a German consulting company, Siemens Management Consulting, a company that I have so much respect for. And one day, um, a Romanian famous trainer pulled me aside. I was training at his gym and he said, why aren't you working in fashion? And I, I said, I, I never thought of it. And he said, Norma Kamali's store is right next to my gym, and I want to introduce you. And um, Norma Kamali to this day, I think she's just such a, such an amazing visionary. She's way ahead of her time. And it was love at first sight, and I ended up working with her. And then um, I connected with Versace, and then, you know, that's how everything happened with fashion. Now, how it is to work with these amazing brands, I'll tell you something, Enrique. It raises the bar so high for you as a human being and as a professional. Because, and also it depends how much respect you have for the brands. For me, when I first held a, a Versace watch in my hand, I say, can I have a tray? I would like to show it on a tray. And the way I was holding that watch, I, ho I held it in my hand like it was worth it, $20,000. And I started to have so much respect, not only for the product and the brand, but also for the people who designed the brand, like Donatella Versace. I remember when I first met her, I was just so mesmerized by her power. She's just such a powerful woman. It exudes. She's humble, but she's powerful. How easy to work so it raises the bar for you. Um, it makes you appreciate beauty. Um, and also, I would say the most important thing about working with high-end brands, you learn consumer experience. I would say when I'm going to have kids, the first job that I want them to have is sales associate for a high-end brand. If you learn to sell a $20,000 watch and a $5,000 bag, you are going to be doing well in life. Because it, it's not only about how expensive it is. If you learn what, how much knowledge you need to have in order to sell that, how much passion. And then you learn to tap into consumer's mind, which is the psychological aspect of selling and branding and marketing. 
it's more how we think about the brand, right? I would say if you have these three core elements, learning how to sell, putting, uh, investing in knowledge about the brand and also value consumer experience and learn how to identify the right consumer for you and know how to communicate with him, I would, I would advise everyone to take at least for a few months a job working with a high-end fashion brand in retail. It helps a lot. Would you say that that's like one of your biggest takeaways of working with a big known brand like that? You know what the biggest takeaway is? Waking up in the morning and having so much passion just to go to work. I never experienced in my entire life. I remember I would wake up in the morning and I couldn't wait to go to the store and see those amazing pieces and try them on and show them off to people. So the biggest takeaway is just an increased passion and desire to understand how you can become part of the story of the brand, how to become a strong personal brand when you work for such a powerful brand. So I would say passion and becoming a strong personal brand on your own, operating under the umbrella of a large brand would be my two takeaways. I love that. I love that. Tell me about Dolce & Gabbana. Uh, It gives me chills when I think about it because I would say Dolce & Gabbana was one of the most incredible experiences in my life because I realized that you can start as a brand ambassador for the brand just as a small position and in three, four months, because you increase the sales by, let's say, 400%, like I did, suddenly you are going to Milano to the market and you are tweeting with Mr. Gabbana. I realized that it's not how small the title is it's what you do with the title and the power that you attach to the title and when i say power power comes from knowledge from passion from hard work it's not something that you are born with it's not something you take it's just something you kind of consistently feed feed and then feed of you know um so yeah i it, it was a fascinating experience just for me to be able to travel to Milano and, and see the market and see how you can choose your own merchandise and the ability to try to um, identify what the consumer wants. To me, in my mind, Enrique, it was always about the consumer. I always thought, how can I impress them? What would they want to see? What color would be great? So anticipating, I would say one of the most element, the, the strongest elements that I learned working with Dolce & Gabbana was how to anticipate what the customer desires. I love that. Anticipate what the customer desires. That's very, very potent. That's good. How does your fashion background impact the way that you help brands, you know, in in a variety of industries? So working with high-end fashion brands made me aware of the power of storytelling. I realized that you don't sell a bag because the bag is beautiful. You sell a bag because you create such an amazing ad campaign that people, that the brand becomes aspirational and inspirational to customers. I will never forget the day when Madonna became the face of Versace. She was very close with Gianni as well. And um, Madonna is just such an icon. I mean, you know, she always was. And I remember when she was wearing the clothes and she was on all billboards and in every magazine. And it was just such a powerful statement. And um, that was, I think, the the element that, that makes you aware how consumers respond, not only to the product, but to the person who's wearing the product as well. So it's always about consumer experience though. Consumer always comes first. Independent of trends, 
independent of cultural trends or fashion trends, consumer is always coming first. They have the power to dictate what's in and out. So. 100%. And you're absolutely right about Madonna. She is an icon and she's omnipresent, even still after her prime. Somebody hears the name Madonna and they know who Madonna is. That is omnipresence at its finest. You know, she was everywhere at once at one point, And even after, her name is still very memorable. Yes, yeah, she built a legacy, right? When you think about what does Coco Chanel have in common with Elon Musk, with Steve Jobs, with Madonna, with Marilyn Monroe, they build a legacy. It's not only the product they brought to the market. They attached themselves to the product. You can't think of, of Tesla without thinking immediately Elon Musk. This is how powerful these people and impactful they are. And one of the most incredible things, some of the most famous brands, actually, when you take a look at who the founder is or the CEO or the owner, you know so much about it because they understood the power that self-marketing um, is placed into launching a brand and also consistently ensure that it, 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 tastes, it, it stands the test of time. Mm, definitely. I want to know, how did your experience working with these big brands, you know, Versace, Dolce Gabbana, you said you were on a TV show in Berlin, you know, how did that impact the way you consult for businesses and customers? There is a word that I used. I remember you mentioned it, flamboyant. <laughs> I believe in firing up every company. Even when I consult for doctor's offices, I always want to create the idea that there's a story here. There is a show, like a TV show almost. It's like you are on stage. It doesn't matter if you're a dermatologist, a plastic surgeon, you are a fashion designer, you are on stage and you are performing at your best ability for your audiences and you want them to love what you do. And when I say performing, not being fake, just showing off your skill set and your emotional connection and your ability to connect with them. So I would say um, it, it would be all about storytelling, 100%. Mm. Storytelling is huge. And it's huge. And also, Enrique, what I wanted to to say, when I work with different brands, it doesn't matter if it's a small startup in Berlin or New York or Silicon Valley, or if it's a large organization. When I do work with brands, the first thing, I ask a lot of questions. And I ask them to define their brand. And most of the times you see there's a struggling element right there in defining the brand in just three keywords, which I usually ask. Um, what I do, I like to create the idea that there's a stage, even if it's just a small video that we should, let's say, for a small company. I don't ever make a separation between how large or small the company is. I want it to be impactful. It could be a 60-second video. I want it to be funny. I want it to be enticing. And I want people to want to watch it again or want to hear it again. Or if it's a product, I want them to try it again because of how it's presented. So... I'll give you an example. I'm not drinking coffee out of any type of mug. I'm drinking out of a Karim Rashid coffee cup. I mean, he's obviously one of the greatest geniuses of our times as well. But drinking out of this cup inspires me, inspires my creativity. And that's why it's very important, you know, when, when you package this, it's different if I would have a black, um, I don't know, space behind me and I would just drink out of a plastic cup. But if I do drink this, now I'm telling a story of a fireplace, a girl with a red dress drinking out of the cup. So it's, again, 
I would say the way I think about working with brands, just making that unforgettable experience, creating it. And when customers see it, they, they think, I want to see it again, or I want even better, I want to experience it myself. I love that. And you know what I noticed about you? You're super creative. And what really made me be drawn to you on Clubhouse was perspective. Because I know we were talking about a topic, right? And then I forgot what it was, but you just had this perspective. And I was like, holy shit, I have to connect with this woman and I have to pick her brain. That's why I like you so much because you, you see the things that the typical eye doesn't see, right? Whether it's your backdrop, your foreground with your coffee cup, the red dress, the lipstick, like whatever it is, you have this special eyesight. You have the, the trained eye and creativity. And I think that's definitely one of the great things that helps you stick out in the marketplace. But what I wanted to ask you is, what advice could you give on creativity to maybe entrepreneurs or business owners? You know, how important is creativity to you? Creativity is very important. When we think about Apple, why do we love the Apple, our Apple phones and our laptops? Because Steve Jobs didn't just think about putting the best technology out there, which he did. He thought, how am I going to enhance the experience? How am I going to package it and make it so creative and beautiful that people are going to die to have that super thin phone? That's why people love Apple. It's not just the technology. There are other computers out there that are great or phones, smartphones, but he created that amazing experience through creativity, through design. And that's why in terms of how to inspire people to be creative, read as much as you can. I cannot stress enough the importance of studying the greats. I'll tell you, I have about 500 books only in front of me here in my library. And when I look at the books, one of them is the Warren Buffett way. The other one is Jay Shetty. The other one is Tim Robbins. It's fashion. I study everyone. One of my favorite people is Ray Dalio. He's one of the greatest hedge fund managers in the world. Actually, the great. He has the biggest hedge fund firm in the world. But I study him as closely as I study Tom Ford or Dolce & Gabbana because you have to study the greats from different industries in order for our creativity to spike. If you want to be more and become more and more creative, you've got to just study outside of your industry. Enrique, where I do see a big, I would say, void in the market, I see people staying within their industry and only knowing what happens there. Karl Lagerfeld. Look at Karl Lagerfeld when he's, I mean, he's, uh, fashion shows were legendary. A few years before he passed away, he orchestrated a space shuttle. And the models were coming like astronauts, out of looking like astronauts out of the space shuttle. This is a man who was in his 80s, but his vision was futuristic. He was always reinventing the will. And he was not just thinking, I'm just going to show clothes. He was thinking, oh, what's in right now? People talk about SpaceX and Elon Musk. Let's bring those two together. And when you see him in interviews, you see how much he was able to talk about everything from technology to um, finance world to fashion. I would say if you want creativity, study the greats from different industries. Study Jay-Z, study Madonna, study Marie Moreau, study Coco Chanel, study Ray Dalio, Warren Buffett. Um, I mean, people from study great politicians, too. So how does your fashion background impact the way you help build brands? I think about beauty all the time, Enrique. Even if we just talk, let's say, about um, 
a nose job, for instance, right, which I did interview some plastic surgeons, I always filter it through the idea of aesthetics. And I believe that uh, when you work in fashion, you become so aware of details. Like everything bothers me. If I would have something, I don't know, green right here, I would, my eye would spot it immediately that it's a bit out of place and it doesn't make sense to be there. So I would say, yes, you become very attentive to detail um, and you become very aware of the importance of packaging things right and not being out of place. It's very easy to just fall into other category where you want to be everything to everyone. You have to stay on brand. You've got to package yourself tight and precisely as a small brand or as a large brand, just like fashion does. When you, when you see a beautiful fashion piece, you say, wow, that looks great. But if it's too much or if it's not good, your eye immediately perceives it. It's the same thing with a product or with something you see online or in the window um, when you pass by a store. So your eye has just an aesthetic perception to it. And I believe for people who work in creative fields like myself, you become even more intense and passionate about these tiny things. I can tell, you know, that's the, one of the things, too, that uh, I was drawn to you about is how powerful your passion is. It's so potent. It radiates off of you. I don't see that enough. Do you see that enough? No. And, you know, like sometimes I tell people because they, um, they ask me, how do you manage? You know, you must have a big team. Uh, last night, Enrique, what I can tell you how I manage and how, how great my passion is. I got up at 4.30 in the morning and I, had, I still had one on my AirPods. The other one, I couldn't find it immediately. The computer was right next to me in my bed and the lights were on. I don't, ex I don't remember exactly what I was doing. I was either on Clubhouse or something because I, I'm so passionate about the world and about what's happening around me. I don't want to miss out on things. And that's what passion makes you do. It could be 4.30 in the morning and you fell asleep doing something you love. And um, I truly believe that when the passion is really, really inside of you, it's for everything that you do. Even the way you comb your hair, the, how much you love your child, how you teach your child something, or how much you love someone, whether romantically or just as a friend. Passion has so much power to change the world. And I wish people would explore it more and just open their hearts and their minds to it more. You know, as I listen to you, I can't help but recognize your personal standards right personal standards are so important i mean let's break down a standard okay a standard is a rule basically that we live by right you have these rules you have these standards we all do right you have high standards and i love that because you have high standards and expectations for yourself and everybody should i'm the same way i can just tell because like i said before it just radiates off you and i would love to see more people with with those standards, with those rules that they live by. And passion and standards, they go very well together. They're like brothers and sisters. Yes, definitely. And you know, Enrique, sometimes I wonder how many people they just get into jobs just because they think this is where perhaps I'm gonna be good at or I'm gonna make the most money or I'm going to make an impression on people. Sometimes you have to take a step back. Enrique, when I studied in fashion, I was not able to be the big manager at the store. I had no, I had zero experience in fashion, but I knew that my heart, I knew how, how much I loved clothing. 
you have to be to humble yourself. I believe a lot of people want to just shoot very high and put themselves already in a position of power. The moment you humble yourself and you are willing to admit, this is what I want to go for, and whatever it takes, I'm going to start from the ground from zero, and I'm not going to have an ego about it. That's what true passion is all about. And I believe a lot of people put ego before passion. They put their own agenda. This is what I need to be. I need to make this much money right now. What about if you make three times the money you're making right now in 10 years, if you channel your passion into the right direction? Right. So it's, it's, I think a lot of times we want to jump faster. We want to jump the steps. And then we realize, by the way, I have to share something with you. This is so powerful. Tom Ford said in an interview with Oprah a few years ago, sometimes you work so hard. And um, when you finally finished painting the wall, you realize that the ladder was up against the wrong wall. Hmm. And I think that speaks volumes about how often maybe we are being attracted to something and we think maybe I should paint that wall. And when you finish it, you realize that you're actually supposed to paint the opposite wall. Right. So that's why it's very important. Awareness Enrique plays such a huge part in who we are as human beings and professionals. Self-awareness, humble, having a humble attitude. Don't ever act like you know it all. Nobody does. Be willing to learn. As I was saying, study the great. Study people who are around you and see how much greatness is in each of them. And most importantly, try to not be the smartest person in the room. That's the worst position. Sometimes people like it because it empowers you but you truly become the best version of yourself when you are consistently surrounding yourself by people you can learn from who are smarter than you. So that's my take on it. <laughs> that's massive. That is, that's massive. You're dropping bombs. You're absolutely right. And like you said, ego versus passion, ego versus passion. There's a great book. It's called new earth. The name of the author. I don't remember. You have it. Oh. It's called New Earth. Yeah. I have to read it. Yep. It's it's called I'm looking at it right now on my bookshelf. It's called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. T O Oh, I love Eckhart Tolle. Yes. It's the name author that wrote The Power of Now. Yes. Right, right. I didn't read that book yet, but I read this book and this book is all about the ego. He dives into the ego, he shows you how it works, how to counter it. It's a great, great book. We all have an ego, right? You have to conquer that bitch, right? It's a great book. You would definitely like it. And it sounds like you already like Eckhart as an author, too. I do love. And talking about awareness and about passion, uh, the power of being living in the moment is so underestimated. And when you think about Jay Shetty, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, they all talk about it. And most of the times we live in the future or in the past. We are so often prisoners of the past that we forget about how amazing the present is. And Or we live in the future. When I'm going to have that job, I'm going to be happy. When I'm going to have that pair of shoes, I'm going to be happy. So we fail to acknowledge the importance mm. of the encounter with the present. And um, in The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, there is a quote that I love. And he says something, don't fight the moment. Whatever the moment brings, bad or good, accept it as you wanted it to be this way. Work with it like you have chosen it. 
Because a lot of times, if let something happens that, let's say you started a business and you expected an outcome and it didn't turn out the way you wanted, instead of just dwelling what could have been, what about you take what it is and say, okay, this is what I have. That's the moment. It's like you chose it and figure out the solution for what happened in the moment, not for potentially could have happened and hasn't. And a lot of times I think we dwell on losses and we forget to focus on what could be a winning solution for us. And, and, and again, it's driven by ego. So, and yeah, fear. And fear is ego. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. I want to take, Vivi, I want to take a step back. I want to acknowledge how you speak three different languages because that's huge, right? Especially in America, most people speak one language or two, really, right? Spanish and English or whatever the case is. But being that you lived in three different countries and you speak multiple languages, do you have any competitive advantages in your marketplace and what you do? I have three countries that I call home. I am always getting emotional about it because I was born in Romania in a communist country where we didn't have much. Um, we did not have access to culture, to knowledge. We could not travel. And then Germany became the bridge between Romania and United States. And Germany was always love at first sight. I mean, it, not always. It was a love at first sight. And to these days, it's one of my great loves. I learned so much. I feel like Germany adopted me and gave me opportunity to study there and to get to know the free world, which I did not have access to in Romania. The moment when I came to United States, it was a step forward in freedom, in ability to understand where you can take yourself as an individual. I think in this sense, America is the most empowering country. It teaches you that there are no limits, which in a way can work against you because sometimes um, I, I don't agree when people tell you you can be wherever you want to be. Because if I want to be a basketball player, I can't. I'm not seven feet tall. <laughs> and, um, right? Or if I want to be a hip-hop artist, I can't, right? Or if somebody wants, and Jay Shetty mentioned this as well in a discussion with Howard Lewis, I think. He said it, it's a, a misconception. But what I do like about America, that it gives you the mindset. I think this is a country that capitalizes so much on educating people to believe in the power of, of their mind to achieve, to go beyond limits. So I would say what these three countries, why I am different, Romania gave me the understanding of loving so deeply independent of circumstances. Loving even the lack of freedom and aspiring towards freedom. Uh, Germany gave me the ability to understand how being organized and keeping track of everything that you do and being responsible can do to you. So I learned sensibility in Romania. I learned how to organize myself and prioritize in Germany. And in America, I learned to liberate my spirit and to believe that there are no limitations. And then if you work hard and if you have a great set of values and you push hard enough, independent of circumstances, you can get where you need to get. So I would say three different concepts, build it three, build it three different areas of my life and my personality. And of course, we are all working in progress. I'm consistently learning. But I would say oh, those different countries gave me something different. And I'm, I'm proud of this eclectic individual I became molded by circumstances and by setbacks, but also by wins and gains. And um, that's all I, I got to say. It's just um, I think it is a competitive advantage because you learn to live with nothing 
like in a communist country, and then you learn to live in a country with all opportunities. So you have the balance and the appreciation when you get something when in the past you didn't have it. It's just, I think it's shifting your perspective. And it impacts the way I do work with people too. I'm not scared to start from the bottom because I experienced it. And I know it's just the foundation for something great to happen. I love that because that just gives you that extra perception that I was talking about earlier, how you have that special eye, you know, because you've seen and experienced the things that you said in Romania, right? And then Germany, and then now here, you have that extra perception. And not only do you have that extra perception, but since you experience it, you have very strong emotions towards that. And then you, with your passion and your purpose, you implement that into your work. And then that radiates off of you. So I'm going to throw a great question at you. Are you ready, Vivi? Yes. <laughs> How did branding change in 2020? You know what? The power shifted from brand into the hands of the consumers more than ever. Um, when, when we look what happened before, brands were coming with more and more products and the market became overly saturated. When the pandemic started, suddenly brands felt limited. Consumers could no longer go to the stores to shop. So now the only channel approach shifted into the hand of just online. The brick and mortar shut down. And the online business had to become so powerful and reinvent itself and understand that if you don't have the best ad out there or the best image to present it or video, you're not going to have a business. So it forced brands to become so creative overnight without preparation. In terms of social media platforms, Instagram Live became one. Look what happened to, to branding. I mean, right now we are branding ourselves via Instagram Live shows, via Clubhouse. It completely changed the way personal branding and branding is done because it overnight it sort of became more virtual than ever. Now, of course, digital era would have brought us to this anyway, sooner or later. But it forced us in 2020 to just take like a quick change in approach and figure out, okay, what now? I cannot be in front of my customer. What am I going to do? So I believe that storytelling became more and more important and not only storytelling, authentic storytelling. Because you could see how amazing fashion brands close some of their stores on Madison Avenue where I live because the consumer experience was not elevated at the level that right now we can just go online and sustain ourselves online. So it's very important to never keep track, uh, to never lose sight of the, the consumer engagement. And now the consumer has so much power because they see now 10 times a day, they see that the owner of the Victoria Beckham goes live and then Donatella Versace goes live and Philip Klein goes live. Before these people, you would not see them on social media as much. You would have now access to them. But, but this 2020 forced even large businesses to get out there with storytelling and connect emotionally. I would say that the emotional connection with the consumer was at its height in 2020 compared to the previous years and it's consistently improving and going into that direction i'm so proud of what 2020 has brought to the world of branding to um to, to the way brands are being reinvented i i just wanted to of course accentuate i'm not proud of how much brands suffered but i'm just proud of the reinvention and the ability to to think further fast um you know, a cultural and global yeah. situation, of course. Absolutely. You know, after after 2020 and COVID, you know, 
everybody had to hit the drawing board. Everybody had to hit the drawing board, and they had to get more innovative. They had to get. They had to start experimenting more. They had to make a change. So not only was it a cultural shock, but I mean, it was it was such a personal shock to everybody in regards of them having to make a change. And I'm talking just as far as like businessmen and entrepreneurs right now. I mean, everybody had to make a change. So. What do you think? How can brands offer a new customer experience in 2021, given everything that just happened and that we're going through? Shifting from monologue to dialogue. And when I say that, um, I believe a lot of brands to these days, when you go to their social media platforms or to their ad campaigns, it's like a monologue. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. And you, the consumer, have to either like it or not. Right now, we have to turn that monologue into a dialogue the consumer has to become part of the story now we are creating a belief system we no longer build just consumers or a consumer base we build communities and if you look at some of the brands they they take amazing initiatives you see fashion brands becoming green Uh, you see philip line i know i said his name again and i want to speak about it i know in the world of fashion people criticize him they say he's not a designer he is a tremendous entrepreneur. He is a visionary, and I have so much respect for what he has created. But long story short, he just came up with this faux fur, right? And he says, I would rather go naked on the back of the coast than wear fur. He understood that he has to speak the language of the consumer. you got to reinvent yourself quickly. He was the king of like real fur and all that. Guess what happened? In 2020, he decided, I'm going to speak the language of my consumer. It's not about what I want. It's not the luxury that I think is luxury. What do they want? And he basically readjusted the business model to what the consumer wants. And that's exactly how brands can um, create a substantial consumer experience for, you know, for, for their audiences and clients base by tapping into their mind, anticipate a bit what they want and also give them what they want. Or give them what they didn't even want, know they wanted, like Diana Freeland stated, right? I don't give them what they want. I give them what they didn't even know they wanted. That's a skill. It's a gift, right? To predict, tap into their minds and identify what could potentially excite the consumer. Absolutely. And that just boils back to perception. Like I keep going back to perception, right? But you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to be able to see things differently. And when you're so good at something, I mean, it's like a muscle that gets worked out over time, just gets bigger and stronger, right? So that just makes complete sense, like 100%. So I wanted to ask you one final question, VV, and this is for the listeners, right? For the listeners, again, if you're loving this show, please get a hold of VV. At the end of the show, she's going to drop her contact information. But VV, let me ask you this. What are three things entrepreneurs and business owners can do today to up their branding game? First of all, personal branding is more important than ever. I believe that in the past, we did not see the CEO of the company, the founder, the entrepreneur being as much in the spotlight. One of the greatest things that they can do right now for their consumers, consumers want to relate to a belief system. They want to understand the DNA of the brand. As a founder, entrepreneur, CEO, step out there and don't be afraid to show your sensibility. Communicate with your audiences the way Ray Dalio did. Ray Dalio 
didn't need to become a personal brand. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. He wrote a book, he created an app principles, and now he has millions of followers on Instagram teaching people how to become better professionals. He just did it because he decided, I want a personal brand now. And guess what? Now everybody knows about his hedge fund, even young kids that didn't know who Ray Dalio was. So I would say one of the core elements of taking your brand to the next level as a personal brand, create something of substance, create an experience, come in front of your audiences, teach them what you know, share your passion, share the vision of your brand. Secondly, video content. I mean, I cannot stress it enough. Video content was always king, but right now more than ever, instead of investing so much money in fancy photo shoots and posting pictures, clients don't buy a picture, they buy an emotion. Especially now during the challenging times we live uh, in, I think people want to connect emotionally. They want you to feel, they want to feel like you feel what they want and give them that. So it's an experience. Right now, more than ever, brands will sell an experience, not a product or a service. Mm -hmm. And number three, brand identity has to be more precise and concise than ever. I still see lots of brands from like small brands to large brands creating a message that is confusing to the consumer. You have to stay true to your brand. You have to ensure that the message you put out there on Instagram, on your website, via ad campaigns is consistent. It stayed, tr it stayed true to the brand and it doesn't confuse customer. Make an impact. If your brand is about color hot pink, your logo should be hot pink. And I don't know, maybe you can tie it to a, a, the breast cancer, let's say charity, which has the symbol hot pink. So be mindful of the tiny details that your brand identity can capitalize on. So the first one was personal branding. The second was video content and consumer enhanced consumer experience. And the third, create a brand identity more powerful than ever before by paying attention to every tiny detail, including drinking coffee out of a fabulous coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Dropping bombs left and right. That's why we have you on here today, Vivi. And that's why I started this show. I mean, really, I did not expect this show to take off as fast as it did within the first year. So now that it's 2021, we're going on to the second year. But within the first year, we were able to get 14 countries on our global list, all the way from United States Emirates to India to Ireland to Cambodia. We got Argentina, Colombia. Like, all over and I think one of the great reasons why is because I'm able to have certain people like you to shed a lot of knowledge education and perceptions on this show and that's one of the great things about podcasting clubhouse for the listeners if you guys are in clubhouse yes get on clubhouse I mean it's just direct access to people it's the greatest thing ever it's all people are talking about right now I think it's going to be I think it's going to be probably hotter than Instagram for a long time to come. You know, like, yeah, they got their differences, but there's just so much power on Clubhouse versus Instagram. The only thing Clubhouse doesn't have is just video, but it's real. You know how I define Enrique Clubhouse? Clubhouse positions itself at the intersection of Instagram and LinkedIn. Because you hear professionals speaking, you hear a lot of expertise. 
and you also get a little bit of like of that cheeky outlook that Instagram has when you can show off a little bit and you know people get to your Instagram from there and they see your pictures so I believe it's just the perfect combination between the fun aspect of Instagram and the professional outlook and expertise of LinkedIn so it's ideal for me I just simply adore it that's so. a good point of view I never thought about it like that Perceptions with this woman. Perceptions are very strong. <laughs> I'm so glad I, I got you on the show. I mean, thank you so much for coming on and giving all this wisdom away. Now, I wanted to ask you, what are some great ways people can find you? So I am on Clubhouse as well under Virgilia V because they did not allow me more than 15 characters and my full name is 16. On Instagram, I am Virgilia Verjoga. Uh, on LinkedIn, I am Virginia Brzoga as well. And um, the, my website is actually Vivi Global Partners. I founded this new company a few months ago. So it's Vivi Global Partners. On my website, they have access to my Instagram, to my email, to my phone number. So everything is there. And the, my website is also on my LinkedIn. It's on my Instagram. It's on Clubhouse as well. That's awesome. And also, listeners, I'm going to put it in the description of this show, too. So you can just look it up in case you missed it and follow her. You got to follow this woman. I mean, you, you could see how amazing she is. And she also has a little gift for the audience too, right? So tell them a little bit more about what you were willing to give away to the audience. And by the way, thank you for doing this. I always bring on the guests and I always say, hey, look, if there's something you'd like to give to the audience, it's not mandatory. If you would like to do it, fantastic, but I don't expect you to do it. And she said, no, 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 I would love to do this. So go ahead, please explain. So the 60-second brand pitch is so important. It's for your bio, for your Instagram bio, for your clubhouse, for your LinkedIn. If you meet someone in the street and you want to forge a partnership, you quickly talk about your 60-second, I mean, you say your 60-second pitch. So I would be delighted to offer it to your audiences. Um, the 30 minutes consultation with me to work and craft their 60-second pitch. That's so anyway, we can give this, yeah, let's give this. So what's today's date is um, January 24th. Let's say until February 10th, they can contact me to set up that appointment. Perfect, perfect. Until February 10th. 10th, yes. So it's about two weeks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's A fine. little bit over two weeks, so yes. That's fantastic. Vivi, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for your empathy and kindness and for the appreciative words. Um, it was just such a beautiful uh, conversation and um, I value you equally. So thank we'll you. see you on Clubhouse. See you. We'll hear you on Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just the beginning of the, the, beginning of the great friendship. Um, and listeners, there you have it. Another great episode of Essential Entrepreneurship with Enrique and another high-performing guest. Uh, and as always, don't forget, take action, stay humble, and stay hungry.